G'day mates, welcome back to another episode of the MindMate podcast and I am pumped for this episode. This episode of the podcast is with the float guru. His name is Vijay. We drank, what did we drink? Jeez, it was good. I think it was like a chai. It was organic milk chai with whole heaps of spiritual herbs and spices. He'll be able to tell you what the ingredients were. I think in the very first part of the podcast, we actually discussed what the ingredients were, but it was almost like he put some sort of psychedelic in there because we just went nuts for the rest of the show and we just, we connected very deeply and um, I'm totally um, committed to his story. I thought it was it was really good, just the, the, the his authentic approach in talking about, you know, his experiences and what kind of led him to do the work that he does. So, as a float guru, as I think the only float guru in the world, he helps professionals live a stress-free life naturally through flotation therapy. Flotation therapy, uh, if you remember the podcast with my friend Nick, who was the founder of Beyond Rest here in Melbourne, it's all about sensory deprivation. So depriving your senses, your senses um, in the Bhagavad Gita, it talks about how your senses are kind of like the nine gates. The city of nine gates is the human body. So we have all of the, we have like nine things on us, gates that we can interpret the external world. And our senses uh, communicate the external world with us. And in this day and age, the external world is very, very saturated. A lot of the time with meaningless bullshit a lot of the time with pointless advertisements telling you that you're not enough, stuff that you really don't need to reprocess again and again, things from the past. I mean, social media uh, stores stuff from the past. And if you are someone that has had a difficult past, maybe you've gone into those depths of awareness and you have um, come to understand them, rectify them. You know, now it's about leaving the past where it belongs. You know, sometimes social media doesn't let you do that. So, the external world is very, very saturated with a lot of stuff that can hinder our ability to remain in an authentic, heightened state, a loving state, a happy, laughing state. And flotation tanks are one method to shut off that world. So just have a think in your life how stressful it can be sometimes, how almost pointless it can be sometimes like when you feel like you're on your phone you're like why am I even on my phone like what the hell's going on here we're all we're all we're pleasure seeking chimps according to uh the founder of on it so you know we uh we have that thing in us that just wants to take and take and take so getting rid of all that to come back to ourself is really important and flotation tanks are a great way to do that so you kind of lie suspended on 600 kilograms I think of salt in warm water so you you almost kind of lose the feeling of your body. It's completely pitch black, so you can't see, you can't hear, because it's very, very silent in there. And like I said, you can't touch. So your sensory uh, awareness is deprived. And very quickly, your mind starts to filter and sort through the stuff of the day, kind of like an inbox. So you get like the emails that are frequent from today. And then once you've sorted through all that sort of stuff, you start to go into the backlog and older thoughts, repressed feelings, emotions, stored stuff comes up. And sometimes we know what we're running from. Sometimes we don't even know we're running. Sometimes we know we haven't sorted things out that we need to sort things out. All this sort of stuff comes up when we deprive our connection to the external world. But the external world, mates, is inhabited by, almost by definition, there goes my phone, fuck, how hypocritical is that? Oh, that's classic. Um, it's inhabited by desires of everyone else. So when you see an ad, it's basically like, have this. That was someone else's marketing tool to try to get you to buy their shit. Now, maybe you don't want to buy their shit. So trying to come back to the self can be a very tricky thing sometimes because if we take on other people's desires, we may start to live inauthentic lives. And this is where the float guru, Vijay, comes in because he uses the float tank as a tool to help people find themselves or come back to themselves, I should say, because you don't find yourself, as he says, like you're under a rock somewhere. You come back to yourself and then you can use that awareness to cultivate a new life. And all of that is discussed in deep in this podcast. Guys, I am so thrilled to bring you this episode. I love you all and enjoy. 
the pale blue dot. Oh, please try some. Oh yes, wait, thank you, sir. No so, problem. organic. What are we talking? Just so, good chai. Good chai. Um, so it's got ginger, cardamom, cloves. Man, that's lovely. Yeah, that's bloody. Yeah, that's really nice. Is it? Yeah. And it's got sugar, but it's like jaggery. Jaggery. Yeah. So it's like natural sugar. Yeah. And you can like taste the difference. Like it's not that plastic kind of sugar. You yeah, get. yeah, synthetic yeah. sugar. Yeah. yeah. And it's like loaded with like spices and unhomogenized, um, full cream organic milk. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. Yeah, it's like, and I smash like a whole um, flask every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day. Very true. Yeah. Mate, that's a great way to start the show. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Mate, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, mate, your hair is a lot better than mine. Mine's probably like there at the moment. <laughs> but for everyone just listening to this, I strongly recommend you have a look at the video. VJ's hair is like, what is that, waist almost? Or? <laughs> probably. It's pretty close to waist. Yeah. How long have you been growing it for? Like four years now. Right. Okay. I'm two years away from that, I think. Okay. Or one and a half. One okay. and a half, so... Mate, so uh, for everyone that doesn't know you, or okay. just like a little introduction, um, who are you and what are you doing in Melbourne? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one, who are you? But yes, very what true. I, what I'm doing, Yes. Um, so I'm doing a couple of things. Um, obviously, I've got my Psytrance side. I produce and I DJ, and uh, that takes up a lot of my time. I'll think about it a lot. And the other side is the flotation stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm, called as, I'm known as the float guru. And I help people with anxiety, stress, fulfillment, um, finding balance through my programs. And that's using the flotation tank as our primary tool. And that's what I'm doing here. So Mm. it's pretty chilled. It's awesome, mate. How did you come across floats? Um, Through Joe Rogan. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was in New Zealand at the time. And one of my friends was like, oh, dude, like, um, so Joe Rogan podcast like have you heard of floating I was like now nah, what is it <laughs> when he told me I was like we have to do this like you know there's two kinds of people I've noticed one are like oh I don't know and the other one they just like okay we have to try this yes definitely yeah. yeah so I was like yep let's try it and just so happened that we met a couple of guys at the gym who were about to open a float center five minutes from where I live mm. and um, yeah and those guys were trying to get into psychedelics and we we're trying to get into floating like swap <laughs> brilliant <laughs> yeah That's and I just got into it yeah yeah and take us through because I think uh, we, I've spoken about floats mm-hmm. a little bit on the podcast um, take us through kind of your your first um, flotation experience what <laughs> and, well, I mean were you, were you open to had you been meditating already were you reflective yes. and um, so it came to me at a really different stage in my life so I'm an electrical engineer I did that for eight years mm. as a professional and I had like the whole corporate scene going for me but I wasn't happy so I was looking for something in my life and at that time I was also training a lot at the gym so I broke my shoulder I was looking for something and then floating came into my life. I was like, okay, meditating, yoga, it's nice. Let me try this. Mm. And my first float was like really buzzy. <laughs> so obviously, you know, like it's your friends. They're like, okay, dude, like, you know, blast myself, have a few buckies yeah. in the tank. He's like, it's going to feel like 10 minutes, Vijay. I was like, really? He's like, it's going to feel like 10 minutes? Honestly. I was like, okay, I'm ready for this. Go in and in 10 minutes, the pump starts. I'm like, whoa, it actually felt like 10 minutes. Yeah. I didn't know where I went. I didn't know what I was doing. Gone. Super happy, I walk out, shower again, and he's like, Jay, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, dude, it felt like 10 minutes. He's like, oh, dude, I forgot to turn the session on. <laughs> get back in. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so it was 10 minutes. <laughs> it was 10 minutes. And I was like, get got back in, and it was whatever. The session was interesting, mm. but I saw where it could go. I knew that this had the potential to do something. It was more like a feeling and a knowing than thinking about it, and instantly I just quit my job. Mm. I didn't go back to engineering anymore. Wow. Yeah. So how old were you at that time? Um, I'm 32 now, so this is four years ago. Really? Yeah. And you're just like, this is so right. This is so for me. Yeah, I was looking for something new, and that was like, this is it. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was going to take me somewhere. But I had no clue that I was going to start coaching people and helping people transform their life or even explore my, nothing. Mm. It was just like a feeling. You know when you get it, you're like, I just know. Yeah, there's like a there's like a call to arms almost. It's yeah. like a an intuition, or it's like there is just something that I need to explore here. Yes, um, that I I need to dedicate a lot of time to here. Yes. So all right, so you have that experience. That was your first float. Yes. Okay, that's incredible. Um, 
And then take us through kind of like the next couple of months after that. You quit your job and how do you begin working on what is now known as the float guru? So obviously I come from a science background. So I knew how it, I knew that I needed a lot of information first. So I realized like, okay, it's, I started mapping things down. So I would shave my full body and jump into the tank to see what happens, right? I would drink a lot of coffee and then go into the tank. Then I wouldn't eat and then go into the tank. I would eat a lot of food. And I started mapping down everything I could think of. Wow. No sleeping, go in. Wake up first thing, not even shower, just go straight into the tank. I mean, shower in the tank or in the session, but you know, yes, not yes. get ready at home. Yes. Because I was five minutes away. I would just wake up, um, sleep for two hours, and then I started researching my own being. I was like, okay, what is the optimum way to float? Mm. And I found like there's a... You know, obviously, I found a pattern like, okay, for me, um, with this kind of diet, then afternoon floats are working amazing. I floated for seven days in a row, two hours, two hours, two hours, four hour floats, 40 minute floats. And I just started mapping all these things down. So that's how I fully got into it. That's incredible. So in terms of like an optimum float, well, maybe, maybe it's probably good to backtrack um, to some mm-hmm. of our listeners at the moment. Uh, what is flotation? And okay. then um, what are the kind of perceived benefits before we... Because okay. I'm going to pick the, pick the shit out of your brain now. Yeah, go for it. So imagine, I mean, you can look, at the, look up this tank. Usually a photo is nice. Otherwise, people would think about some experiment we're doing. Yeah. Um, basically, it's 500 kgs of salt, magnesium salt, in 10 inches of water. So it's not very deep. Um, when you enter the tank, you realize when you lie down, you float automatically. Um, pretty much no gravity on you. And what we do is we set the temperature of the water to your skin. So after a while, your mind starts to ignore your body. It's like having your nose in front of you, but you ignore it. It's always there. Same way the temperature difference is so small between your skin and the water surface and the air in the pod or the room that your mind ignores it. It's like erasing your body. Now you don't have a body and you're floating. Mm -hmm. Then when you turn the light off, there's no light, no sound, no taste, no smell and no touch externally. And that sends your mind and your consciousness into a different state. And that's what we're working with here. Physically, you feel amazing because no gravity. You know, gravity takes a lot You know, mm. for you to sit up straight or for you to do anything. You have to beat gravity first. So that part is freed up. And then uh, mentally, there's no distraction. So if you think about it, um, we're constantly distracted day in, day out. But now in the tank, you've got your space. And in terms of your consciousness, that's some other ball game mm. where it starts to expand and you can like start navigating into areas of your life and give it awareness. Um, it starts to work with your subconscious where everything is in sub- built subconsciously, 95%. But you start bringing into things into your awareness that you didn't know you knew. And you think it's an insight or creative ideas, but you already knew it. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to give it the time for it to come up into your conscious awareness. So all these things start to happen. Um, but like anything, it's practice and it's consistency. And that's in a nutshell, that's like how I look at floating. Yes, definitely. And I mean, there are very clear, uh, physiological effects. Like you said, the no gravity thing would be Mm -hmm. sensational for our joints. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but also I think peace of mind is really important with this sort of stuff. Like, like you're saying, like, you know, an increase in awareness, mm-hmm. you know, being able to take an objective look at yourself mm-hmm. and realize, oh, that's why I responded like that. It wasn't because I was actually angry at my partner. It was just that that guy cut me off the road, for, you know, four hours ago. Yeah. You know, little things like that can really help. Okay, so you're, so you're mapping consciousness mm-hmm. almost to, to, to an extent and you're starting to see different things that work well and and different things that don't. In terms of like an optimal float, Mm -hmm. what what do you mean by that? So an optimal float is, first you have to realize that everything is a relationship. So depending on where you are in your life and depending on where you want to go, you slide the tank in there. That's what I mean by an optimal float. For example, if you're someone who is struggling with stress and anxiety, then you would have a pattern in which, which you float. For example, if you float every week, right? At a certain time of the day. Psychologically, you're like, I'm going for a float, so I'm going to be peaceful. Instantly, something dawns over you, right? And then if you have to wake up early during the day and you get very less sleep at night, then maybe evening floats are good for you, right? right? If you're physically active, right, then maybe a night float is good for you. 
because that helps you sleep better at night. Mm. So you need to figure it out. That's basically what I do help people with as well. But you need to figure out where does it slot in into your lifestyle. Mm. Um, for me, once a week is amazing. And I usually float for 40 minutes or one hour, depending uh, if I'm partying or not. If I'm partying, then I would go for a 90-minute float. Right. I get my sleep back instantly. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's why I love that you just said, like, if you're partying, that's so good. People, like, almost shame themselves at partying. Be like, no, that's a fact of life. I'm going to party. I'm gonna... <laughs> it's ridiculous. Some yeah. people do. Some people are like, oh, I shouldn't be partying. I shouldn't be drinking. I should be taking gear or whatever. It's like, you're doing it. Yeah. You may as well get used to it. Yeah. And I'm doing it sober. So I've taken a sober year now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I love it so much. That I was like, I'm going to take a sober year off, fully focus, and then smash it out for the next 30 years. <laughs> yeah. That's the plan. Beautiful. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Dude. I love that. <laughs> okay. So where do you see people typically um, putting the float in their lives? Like are mm-hmm. people more often than not, probably depends on kind of the different areas that you've lived in, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe for the Western world, yeah. are people more or not struggling with anxiety and stress or what are they looking for? So right now, there's a huge thing about floating as a relaxation experience. And uh, we're trying to change that. Relaxation is a byproduct of the float. Mm. You can't just go in to relax in the tank because it's when you consciously do it, it's very hard to relax because now you're telling yourself, I need to relax, I need yeah. to relax, but you don't do it. Um, so we're looking at a, it as a tool for, say, someone who's anxious as that one hour where you can practice a few ideas and you can completely let go in that one hour, right? And for someone who's physical, using it that tool. So right now from the relaxation world, we want to get it to as this is the pill that you've been looking for. Mm. <laughs> that pill, you know, if it was a pill, like um, I've heard other people talk about it. They're like, if it was a pill, you would take three. 100% you would take three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. where it is in the world right now. But um, there's a lot of research, clinical research going in. And um, so now it's picking traction. Now we're like gaining a lot of traction with firefighters using for PTSD and obviously with my work, helping people find balance and fulfillment. And um, there's this um, doctor in America, Justin Feinstein, he was here and he's done some amazing work for the whole float industry. Really? Yeah, clinical research and it's like on point. So it's, it's gaining traction as the tool or the pill for anxiety, depression, uh, PTSD, and just in general, understanding who you are. Mm. So it covers that whole range rather than, oh, let me go for a float experience and relax for a bit. Mm. <laughs> that? Yeah. And I think a really good point, I mean, that's a great segue into kind of what, where I'd like to steer this mm-hmm. next is that you were talking about if it was a pill, people would just take three and be mm-hmm. happy with that. But I think one of the detriments to just the convenience market, mm-hmm. you know, or the fad of convenience is that it takes away the lesson. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about flotation or meditation or sensory deprivation in general is that when the external world uh, is silenced, mm-hmm. you actually come to see, like we were talking about before, those objective patterns of behavior mm-hmm. that you either consciously learnt or were unconsciously programmed to believe, yes. um, you know, like you said, with um, things like trauma mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So, um, you know, you want to be real with with float tanks as well is that um uncomfortable things can happen yeah but it's about knowing that it's happening for you not to um take us through a uh an experience like that like perhaps like not necessarily like an uncomfortable float Mm -hmm. maybe like a a challenging float sure so there's a chinese saying um you should meditate half an hour a day and if you're busy you should meditate one hour a day (laughs) (laughs) yep Okay? Yes. So right now I work with clients who are really busy in the rat race, trying to be happy by making a lot of money. So that's like, you know, Alan Watts talks about it, how it's like you're hungry, but you're sticking sandwiches to your body. (laughs) That's what they're doing. And when you say, hey, man, here, this is the tank that's going to help you find that inner happiness and peace. The first thing that the block is, oh, my God, it's like you have to go two hours for a session. I can't take two hours from my busy day to go do it. Mm. It's like the first block. I'm like, what? What? These two hours are going to last you for the whole week and you're going to feel amazing. Yes. So there's one of those experiences, right? And second thing is I'm not doing anything for one hour in the tank. 
It's a big no-no in the current world. How can I not do anything for an hour? Mm-hmm. I would rather be sending emails or I would rather be doing something externally. Mm-hmm. So that's another block. And we haven't even floated in the tank yet. Even before we get in the tank, it's like, oh, I could be wasting my time. I could be doing something productive. Because actions and being productive have been correlated in the current world. Whereas if you think about it, you're just taking two random things and put it together. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Yeah. So that's one block. And the second thing is people, once you're in the tank, people find it hard to chill with themselves. The mind chatter. And it's taking them to really different places they don't want to go. They don't want to face what's actually going on. I mean, that's because of lack of understanding that it's an abstract image you've created, but you can't tell them that at that point in time. So when they go in the tank, the sense of like, oh my God, I'm here by myself in darkness. But... That is exactly the experience you need, which is going to unblock you. Mm. So that's another challenge we get. And the little challenges like claustrophobic and all that, which is still fair. That's okay. I get that. But you not wanting to spend time with yourself or thinking that you spending time with yourself is a waste of time. Yeah. That is like something that needs to change. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I think, uh, you know, you spoke about Alan Watts. Alan Watts changed my Every book I read of his just completely changed my perspective of life and yeah. myself, you know. Uh, he's just brilliant. And um, you mentioned before, um, when you don't take time with yourself, you just think that all these things are what you're supposed to do. Freud spoke about mm-hmm. that. He spoke that, you know, the idea that we're inhabited by desires of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's very difficult to actually see what our desires are. Yes. And then that takes the Buddhist context of, well, to desire is to attach, and attachment is suffering. Yes. So the less... Uh, attachments, the less desires, the, the less suffering. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, you got to think about, well, I'm living this life right now. I need to act mm-hmm. and I need to act in a way that's, um, you know, virtuous. So I'm going to probably going to desire things, mm-hmm. you know, but it's about desiring the right things mm-hmm. with a sense of social responsibility and, and things like that. Um, how long does it take for people to come to a greater understanding or or move away from that okay actually now see the importance of spending time with myself okay um it depends on obviously person to person but what i found is in about six weeks there's a shift Mm. and this shift is enough momentum for them to carry this forward so that's the common factor so obviously i'm working with a client for eight weeks but on that sixth week mark 99% I find like this person is thinking differently now. This person is able to break their patterns and they have some sort of an experience in their life, not only in the tank, outside the tank, but just clicks. And in that sixth week, they're like, oh, Vijay, I know, I get it. So the seed has like sprouted. Yeah. And that's all we're looking for. You know, that's all we need. Because after that, they have enough momentum to make whatever they want out of it. But that initial breaking point takes about six weeks. Six weeks. For them to transform, yeah. Um, Which is much faster than most people. Because usually when I have a session, I send out a form. And I ask them, like, how long do you think transformation actually takes place? How long does it happen? And I'll be surprised, like, sometimes people say years. I'm like, wow, okay. You know, it doesn't have to be years. Yeah. Six weeks until they make that shift. Six weeks with uh, roughly one float a week. One float a week, yeah. Right, and then and also some, other practices. Yes, yes, yeah. So yeah, so what? Um, how do you? How do you? What's your therapeutic technique with when you're working with clients and things? So firstly, um, you know how when you make anything, you pick the right ingredients. Same thing. I pick my clients. Mm. It has to be a right fit. Nice. That is the most important thing for me. So I can't go around helping everyone because most people don't need help. Most people don't know they need help. Um, But the ones that I do, they're super ready to make a change. Mm. And that's the people I work with. So already my job is like a bit easier. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. It's a good shortcut, dude. Yeah, it is like, you know, and I pick my clients and if I'm super honest, I'm like, hey, um, I can't help you um, because maybe your preconditioning is too much for me to work with. You're not open enough or you don't need much help. This is what you need to do. You can do it. And they're like, okay with it. Mm. So that is the first thing, right? And then what I do is we see where they want to get to. Yes. And if that's not clear, we start defining it. Where do you want to go? Mm. Right? And through the program, it works in two different levels. One level is smashing it in this plane. As a human life, your career, your balance and all that. 
And then another level is the absolute level. Mm. You know, who are you? What is the nature of reality? What is consciousness? Once you play in these two levels, you're pretty much like unstoppable. Yeah. What is consciousness to you? <laughs> um, well, it's something that we can never know because, mm. you know, they say um, fire can't burn itself. Yeah. And um, knife can't cut itself. So you will never know. But I can only tell you what it's not. But I can, I can share with you the properties of it. And from what I think, it's a relationship. Okay. Consciousness is a relationship between whatever's going on, all that can manifest to all that has manifested in that dot where these two meet. That is where consciousness is. Mm, like two sides of the same coin. Yes. Yeah. And the center, I mean, because it's a pulse, everything is a pulse and everything moves up and down. It has three things. One is up, down and the middle point, the node. And the node is the consciousness. Everything else derives from it. Mm. Mm. There's, a, there's a great Taoist saying, which is those who know the Tao do not know mm -hmm. the Tao. Those who don't know, no. Yeah, that's also in the Upanishads. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. those who know God, they don't know God. Yeah. And um, well, that kind of makes sense. Because mm. the moment you put it into what you know, it's not that anymore, is it? That's right. <laughs> it's exactly right. You've separated. Yes. Totally. Yeah, you put it into your human terms. So it's not that anymore. That's why I call it that. Yeah, just that. <laughs> just that. Yeah, yeah. I was having a conversation with a mate about this uh, yesterday, actually. And um, he was talk we were talking about God. You yes. Know? And he was talking about how, you know, what kind of what we're talking about for the podcast, like there's just no need for it anymore in the, in the modern world and all this yeah. sort of stuff. And that, you know, that very rational way of thinking makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Like based on the sacrifices and the fundamentalist approach to God, mm -hmm. we don't need that, mm -hmm. you know. But in terms of the Hindu philosophy, the Eastern mm -hmm. philosophy, you know, there's a really great um, understanding, you know, and that idea that how do you know something? The only know you, the only way you know something is because you know what it's not. Yes, exactly what you just said. Yes, you know the only reason I know that kicking my foot into a brick hurts is because I know what that doesn't feel like. Yes, so you can keep moving around this kind of paradoxical mm -hmm. lexicon and then reach this state where, well, if you can kind of separate yourself from the wheel. Yes. Um, you know, even if, if you come to know that, then you're immediately back in the wheel. Yes, <laughs> but it's it's that it's very difficult. I think. Alan Watts probably does the best at trying to for explain sure. that. For know? sure. Yeah. It's, um, I guess you can derive it. So people usually say, okay, in, in the Eastern world, um, it's like there's a huge gap within the God that we talk about, which is the creator, the big boss. Whereas the Eastern world, it's more like something that creates itself, mm. something that holds everything together. For you to experience it that is what they talk about and that comes from something that is opposite of that which you'll never know yeah <laughs> yeah that loop keeps going within itself it's a fractal it goes to infinity yeah and um that's why we can never know what that is but we know that exists because everything comes from that everything emanates from that it's the shiva and the shakti mm. yes yeah. exactly that's so true it's kind of like glue yes isn't it yeah, yeah. but and we do no, even my by me saying right now that I know it means that I don't know it, so I'm aware of that. Mm -hmm. But by we know that just as a very basic level, we created language, yes. things that separate things yes. from their opposites, and we created that with our vibrational tones. Like we mumble, and the word tree comes out. Yes, and now we don't even think of a tree anymore because yes. that's just a tree, right? But uh -huh. that that. It, it's just very fascinating. Anyway, we can probably move into a whole different world with this. Yeah. Um, tell me about how you became interested in consciousness and spirituality. And was it psychedelics? Okay. Was it questioning yourself? And yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's some things that through my experience I know and some that I'm still trying to figure out. Yep. So for example, um, my family that I was born in in India, this came to me later. So it comes from a lineage of priests. Not my dad and mum, but see, the whole family comes from there. So there must be something to do with that. Um, they've all, always been around mantras and stuff like that, but never really taken anything to note, never seriously. And then uh, I moved to New Zealand and I've always wanted to try and figure out the universe. Mm. That's uh, <laughs> pretty basic, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I've, always had, <laughs> I've always had this desire. Like I, wanna, I used to call it, I want to crack the universe, right? But 
only in terms of like quantum physics and I was inquisitive, but nothing hit the spot. And then obviously my first psychedelic experience went at a side trance party and um, I took a tab of acid and holy shit, like yeah. the party's about to finish and it's like 6 a.m. and I actually missed a cricket match. Tendulkar was playing South Africa that day yeah. in the World Cup. I was like, I'm not going to come to this party. My mates were like, Vijay, you have to come. We're going to get wasted. It's going to be the best shit ever. Come here. <laughs> And um, it's going to change your life. I'm like, dude, a party's not going to change my life. Trust me. Tendulkar is going to change my life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. My number player in New Zealand was Tendulkar. Yeah. Forget the religion, Tendulkar is God. That's yes. what it says. So I was like, massive fan. True. These guys forced me to come to this party. And uh, we took a couple. It didn't work. Nothing happened. I'm like, if this is tripping, this is shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in the morning, now who's my best friend, I'm looking at him. I'm like, dude, like, what are you on? He's like, give me that. He's like, okay, here's a blue one. Oh, six o'clock. The trees like talking to me, the mountains are breathing. This is in New Zealand, so yeah. the nature is pristine. Yes. Right? And there's a sound system called the Opus. So the Opus is playing. My whole life revolves around the Opus now. Right. All I want to do is play my music on the Opus sound system. Yeah. I'm listening to this sound and I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And I look at these guys. The first thought is like, did you guys always know this reality existed? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, since when do you know this reality exists? Mm. And they're like, oh. Like, I don't know what you're saying, but I was obviously buzzing out at that point. So my approach was like, how come I didn't know that you could do this with your mind? Yeah. Or how come my senses are so enhanced? How come I can feel everything? And um, yeah, it's been, what, nine years now? And I'm still chasing Psytrance. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so consciousness started for me like that. Then I started really looking into it. It's crazy, isn't it? I've got this kind of theory as well that that's kind of the world we live in before the ego really starts to form, you mm. know, the land of the unconscious, all that sort of thing. And sometimes what's really unfortunate for people is that their first, uh, you know, lessons and open doorways into the rational world mm-hmm. are very painful memories and things mm. that has like kind of created this restricted box for them to live mm. in, you know, like when, you know, uh, childhood abuse and things like that and what are your I wonder if we could kind of move into the world now where kind of like how psychedelics meditation floats help to unpack those layers to see that mm-hmm. and then how do we move through those okay so what's happening is it's like it's a grand illusion that's taking place since the time you're born you know people keep telling you things and you start forming your own opinions and you start living in this life where how I think about it is like you're an apple tree and I'm a mango tree but we all try and look like the same bench and we all try and look like the same tree Mm. so what happens is there's a part of you that knows and this is not agreeing with the part that you're doing consciously Mm. and this builds up builds up and creates a pressure within you this is a discomfort you feel when you go do that job and you don't want to do it and it's the life you live and then it breaks Right. Um, So when it breaks through extreme suffering or what happens is in some people's lives, I don't know how it happens, but you get little cues here and there through psychedelics or people being born into families that meditate or you find like nowadays there's a huge awakening of meditation and yoga and all these different philosophies and like different techniques for you to see that illusion just to separate. Once you separate your awareness from who you think you are, that's all it takes. Mm. And that's it. People don't have to go through this whole journey of like going into the past and healing yourself. I'm not a fan of that at all. Mm. The moment you think about the past and you give it energy, you've given it power to influence your present. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I've, ha- I've always talked about this with my other friends and they're like, no, but Vijay, you need to heal. I'm like, the moment you use the word heal, you mean something needs to be fixed. Yes. But all I have to do is realize that in my journey, if I'm able to think about doing this, then I'm already in the best possible place because I'm aware now. And if I take any experience out from my life, then I won't be here. Wow. That really just blew my mind, man. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. yeah. So you start from here and now you can build anything because you, you, can't, you can't discount any experience because the moment you shed light on an experience that comes from that ego that you've developed at that point in time then you're giving it power and then now it's going to influence your present and your future again yeah so all you have to do is just just notice your awareness and try and separate your awareness from your ego 
And it sounds simple, but it's actually very simple. 40 minutes a day. 40 minutes a day. 40 minutes a day. Um, let your brain waves, because you're biological and people tend to resonate a bit with this idea, let your brain waves settle. Right? As soon as your brain waves settle, you will see there's a slight gap after 40 minutes. If you can just meditate, for, if, it doesn't matter what you do, just sit there for 40 minutes. And people are like, oh, Vijay, but I can't clear my head. That is not the point of meditation. Mm. Right? You can't, if you can have a clear head for five minutes, you'll enlighten yourself. That's how hard it is. Mm. So just create that separation. And as soon as you feel that gap, enjoy it. You don't want to do anything else. Just live your day and slowly start opening that gap. And that's what mm. I do with my programs as well. And once you open that gap and you can go to that awareness at will, that's it. You, want, you, can, you can't suffer anymore. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there was a big move uh, in the early 19th century oh, with, uh, oh yeah, thanks dude, with psychoanalysis. Yes. And psychoanalysis was very much about having, going down to the swamplands of the soul mm -hmm. and bringing up those repressed uh, memories, wishes, mm -hmm. urges and things. And that was the Freudian school. Mm -hmm. And then Carl Jung came along with analytical psychology and he was talking about how that stuff's good to a T, to a degree, like similar mm -hmm. with what you're talking about. But there was a specific quote when I was really in the Jung and I was reading a lot of his stuff that made me think of what you just spoke about. And he said that oftentimes people get lost when they don't know where they're going. Mm -hmm. So when people don't know where they're going, their mind starts to work against itself and pick up all these things from the past mm -hmm. that are in the past. They're yes. in the past, yeah. you know, and whether or not they're still there doesn't necessarily mean that they're conflicting with, you know, how you want to live or mm -hmm. whatever. And even just the awareness is, yes. is good enough. But he said the quote was, some, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, dude, yeah, but it was something like the, the water spills, the water of the past kind of spills over the bank and into the present. Mm -hmm. And do you think that for people that are aware of how something has affected them in the past that awareness alone is enough. And now it's about how do you kind of reprogram that and mm -hmm. then move forward and on to the future? Yeah. Yeah. So the moment you project a reality in your past or your future, the vibe you have in that projection is based on how you feel today. Mm. For example, if, I'm, um, if I don't feel good, then uh, and I project a reality saying I need to move to a new city, then that projection is going to be tense. I'll be like, oh my God, what am I going to do there? If I feel amazing today, I'll be like, I'm excited. Yeah. Right? So if you can find a way, for example, if you feel good today, when I look at my past event, I broke my shoulder four times in one year. Right? right. And I look at it and I'm like, wow, that was like really the best experience ever in my life. Yeah. But if I still was in pain or if I wasn't feeling good today, then I would look at the same experience and be like, that is what ruined my life. Yeah. Right? So the key is to feel good today. And as a human, it doesn't take long to feel good today. Mm. It doesn't take long. All you have to do is like start off. Obviously, it depends where your consciousness is vibrating. All you do is start off saying, okay, I'm aware. The moment you're aware, that's it. You've done your job for the day. Really? Yeah. Because, see, I mean, I am awareness. Mm. If I'm aware of something, so for example, if it's a speaker, if it's a spe speaker is playing, it's happy. If it's a ball, if it's bouncing, it's happy. If you're aware, that's it. You're happy. Mm. doesn't matter what you're aware of. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's so true. It's, you know, we're not, you know, we're in this body. Mm. We're not, we're not this body. Yes. You know, we're the thing that operates inside this body. Well, then what operates inside this body? It's almost like an infinite regress. Yes. It comes back to what... Ram Dass teaches, yes. which is just loving awareness. Mm -hmm. So when you said before meditation, uh, you actually didn't say meditation, mm -hmm. but you said sitting for 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, take us through kind of that process there. What do you get people to do and what do you Okay. Do? So before I used to coach people, it's um, hand, hold their hands. Now I just advise. So okay. now I say, you find it, whatever you want to do for 40 minutes. Mm. So that's more thought for them and more trial and error and more coming from within. Rather than giving them a prescription, it's like, you do it. People love that and people want that. I'm like, no, you find out, right? So I'll tell you what I do. So I chant every day for 40 minutes. Wow. And that's my meditation. That's like a complete, it's so hectic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so hectic. Do you want to give us a crack? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, so this is a mantra. It's got 1,001 names of Vishnu. 
So Vishnu is the energy that holds everything together. It's the substratum of the universe. So in Hindu uh, mythology, there's Brahma who creates, Brahma. Vishnu maintains. Atma. Atman is the supreme soul. Yes. So Brahma is the god that creates everything. So yeah. Brahma creates the day, Vishnu maintains the day, Shiva destroys the day. But at the same time, Brahma creates the night, Vishnu maintains the night, Shiva destroys the night. Mm -hmm. So these three work together. My whole family is from a lineage of Shiva, but for some reason I resonate with Vishnu. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I chant thousand and one names, um, go something like, Om Shuklam Baradharam Vishnum Shashivarnam Chaturbhujam Prasannavadanam Dhyayet Sarva Vignopashantayet Vyasam Vashishthanaptaram Shaktet Totramatalmasham Parasharatma Jambande Shukatatam Tapanidhim Vyasaya Vishnu Rupaya Vyasa Rupaya Vishnave Namo Vaidbrahmani Jaya Vashishthaya Namo Namaha Adhikaraya Shuddhaya Nityaya Paramatmane Sadaika Rupa Rupaya Vishnave Sarva Jishnave Yasya Smaranamatrena Janma Samsara Bandhanat Vimugjate Namastasme Vishnave Prabha Vishnave Om Namo Vishnave Prabha Vishnave Shri Vaishampaya Novacha So this That's goes on. That's sick. <laughs> we could have done like, do, go, go again, go again. Shutma Dharmana Seshena Pavana Nicha Sarvashaha Yudhishthara Shantanavam Punareva Pyabhashata Yudhishthina Vacha Kime Kamdaiva Tamloke Kimbapye Kamparayanam Stuvan That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you get a little thing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, fully. That's awesome. So that goes for half an hour. Mm. And I'm completely blasted. I'm like in a different zone. And um, imagine this, right? So I'm chanting in Sanskrit. And there are certain languages in the universe that are it's called cymatics. So perfect symmetry. So when you speak Sanskrit, Hebrew, Latin, these form perfect geometry in front of you when you speak it, right? And you can't, you can't speak these languages if you're not connected with your heart. Mm. So everything I say comes from here. And uh, every language is connected to one element of the earth. So Sanskrit, the ancient languages, Arabic is one of them, they are connected to that. So you automatically tune yourself to that. Mm. It's crazy what it does. And all, obviously the exhalation and the inhalations are different so i'm doing a kind of like a breath work mm -hmm. in it and um it, each word is unique so my memory has gone like tenfold since i started doing it in the last four years yeah wow. i do like now i can chant this through memory and it's like pages and pages yeah jesus <laughs> just and this is what i pin it down to this is my routine where i don't know i haven't missed this in i don't know how long I only missed it on purpose to see how much it's making an impact. Oh, wow. wow. How long did you miss it for? Like, um, so when I went to Vipassana, I didn't do it for 10 days, but obviously yeah. I was meditating. So that was different. Yeah. Um, I only miss it for one day max. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> one day is like depression town. <laughs> one day is too many decisions. I have to make way too many decisions that day. Everything is a decision. Okay, what do I want to eat? What do I want to wear? Okay, what kind of track do I... Everything is a decision. Mm. After this... I'm so aligned, everything just flows. Mm. It's just complete flow. Mm. That's a really good point, dude. I, like that, uh, that point of doing this or not doing this and doing this. I mm -hmm. mean, before you've even done anything, you're mm -hmm. stressed out. Exactly. You know, that's probably the reason why people are so stressed. Yes. Because they're trying to make all these decisions that probably don't even matter. Yes. There's a, there's a quote that's, you know, excellence is in the next five minutes. <laughs> nice, you know? I like it. It's just do what you're doing now. Yeah. Like right now, my my decision is to give you undivided attention. And likewise. Exactly. I'm here right now. Exactly. All I'm thinking about is us talking about this and chai. Yeah, and chai as well. <laughs> you're thinking more about that chai, man. <laughs> that's great. Okay, cool. So you moved from India to New Zealand. India to America. Oh, sorry. You went to For America. For three years in New Jersey. I hated it. Oh, did you? Yeah. Too busy? I was too young. Oh, right. I was nine and all I knew was Bollywood and cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Yeah, and my well. parents took me to like, the school in Newark and I'm like the youngest guy. I got double promotion and uh, I was like locked up in like these locker rooms and like taking my lunch money, beaten up, oh, all really? these things. Like proper what you see in proper movies. Bullied. Yeah. Really? And the second year I figured it out. I'm like, okay, I know how to be cool now. Yeah. How do you, how do you be cool? <laughs> um, so you have to say something to the teacher. True, true. <laughs> you, you don't yeah. play the bad boy. <laughs> yeah, you have to for a little bit. 
and uh, you have to get detention a couple of times. <laughs> True, you figured it out. Yeah, totally you don't, you don't, you don't wear uniforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then I went back to India, mm-hmm. and then I studied like five years there. And then my parents were like, "Okay, you need to go somewhere because it's a thing. You go overseas to study." And my cousins who lived in America at the time, my uncle and the whole family, they went to New Zealand straight. Mm. And I called them up. I was like, "Hey, man, how's New Zealand?" He's like, "Dude, it's amazing. Come." So I went there for kind of like a holiday, um, but I just stayed there for like ten years. Right. Right. Okay. And that's when you. I mean, I'm very interested in this kind of this process of, and it's a bit of it's almost trite because it's so cliche. But people saying like, "This is the thing that." allowed me to almost find myself you mm-hmm. know and obviously life is a process of finding slash becoming or coming back to yourself mm-hmm. probably you know but what was the it, you said before it was that tab of acid there was that first kind of yes. oh wow this is probably more meaningful than everything mm-hmm. i've ever really done um did you start to explore psychedelics a bit more or and then from that have you found a place now where they're pretty. They're good entry points, but you can find that in your mantras and in your sure. float tanks and things. Um, I have a th- I have this thing against people asking me um, or telling me they haven't found their thing. Yeah. So how I look at it is, if you find something, which means it's existed already, which means it's not your thing because someone else made it. So true. It's so true. So you need to make your thing, mm-hmm. right? And so I started making my own thing. So obviously the float guru is the thing I've made, knowing what I'm good at, mm. what everyone needs, and I fill that gap, right? Um, after my psychedelic experience, I got too much into it. I was I loved the music and I started partying, going to festivals all over the world, just as partying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was still an engineer at the time. Or I was doing my engineering job. It was just paying the bills and weekend smash party, weekend smash party. And yeah, dude, I'll show you photos of like, I used to look like 10 years older when I was 22 <laughs> than now. Yeah, yeah. Right? Until 27, I kept that lifestyle going. Mm. And it was a complete mess. Everything I did was a mess. Nothing was going on in my life. Mm. Relationships were a mess, complete, everything. I was just like, yeah, a messy guy. Yeah. Right? (laughs) You're a messy guy. Totally. True. Loose. And then um, the shoulder breaking. And then at the same time, my uh, granddad passed away and floating. All these things like completely swapped it around. Yes. And also I've had like super lucky with my family and my friends. Like, my friends have, like, really put me on spot. They're like, Vijay, you need to, like, look, you you look sick. Especially one of my friends I see him. He's in the UK now. Uh, he's like, dude, you look sick. Mm, that's and, a great friend. Yeah. And he's like, you need to sort this shit out. And I'm like, okay, sweet. What do I need to do? He's like, you need to change your lifestyle. I'm like, okay, sweet. He's the guy who told me about floating. He's the guy who told me about Psytrance. And I've taken it and ran with it now. Yeah. yeah. What a legend. Yeah. Man, that's a true friend. Hey? Yeah. I've got so many of these around. You know, like my other friend, I've known him since I was like five. He was totally into scriptures and he would, he, he exactly knew my life. His name is Bharat and he's like a vegetarian. I'm like, that's never happening. Boom, I turn vegetarian. No, he's like, you're going to get into this mantras. I'm like, that's not happening. I'm like, really? boom, instantly. I'm like, how do you know this shit? Yeah. He's always two years ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had like really good company around me that keep me in check. And then obviously I had this quality where I'm just like obsessed with things. Yes. So that helped me a lot. Mm. And um, yeah, from psychedelics, complete mess to finding yoga, meditation and floating and then really putting the work in. Yeah. Really like completely going with the feel. And obviously some, some other experiences like um, self-realization in um, this party in Switzerland completely saw the whole fabric of reality. Really? Never been the same ever since. What do you mean? Like... Obviously, I was buzzing at the time, a few pills, few trips down, yeah. and I hit like this massive nang. Oh, dude, like completely snapped out of my body, and I saw like I am everything. Yeah. I can't even explain it. Like, I can explain most of the things, but basically, I saw how every thought and every vibe that I project out is mirroring itself in every other form that it possibly can. And that I am every single thing out there, just in a different space and time coordinate. Mm. And then I lost interest in life. Oh, wow, really? I was like, I am everything. What do you want me to do? Yes. That's <laughs> uh, solipsism. Okay. That's kind of that idea. Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah. everyone's a projection of my dream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, do you know, I, I was studying this to try to figure this out because I, w- I went kind of through a similar process of, you know, my ego attached itself to 
wanted to be a football player. Okay. And then I was like, okay, I'm not an AFL player because mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm still an athlete. I'm still an athlete. And then my knee hurt. And then my partner and I, we went and traveled overseas. Mm-hmm. And I was being, my ego was being ripped apart from this identity of competitive athlete. Wow. And that's when I started um, reading Jung. So I was mm-hmm. analyzing my dreams and things. And I found this place where I went so far inward that I, I wasn't attached to anything. Mm-hmm. And then I went into that world where I was like, oh, well, if I am one with everything, mm-hmm. everything is just me. Yes. So what the fuck is the point of everything? Exactly. And I became very scared. Yes. You know? Me too. How did you come out of that? I just called my mate Butter. <laughs> <laughs> I should have called him. I should have called so, him. I was partying and I was having the best time. And I was in Switzerland, but my accommodation was in France because it was too expensive in Switzerland. So yeah. I took a 40 minute train, go back to my room and I uh, call my friend. I'm like, dude, this just happened to me. I don't know what happened. So most of the stuff I talk about is experience first and then look into the scriptures. So that kind of worked for me at that. I'm like, do you know something about this? Like, holy shit, Vijay, you're so lucky. I'm like, why? He's like, you hit self-realization. I was like, okay. He's like, people spend their whole life trying to get to this spot. I was oh. like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. He's like, you have to help others get there. I was like, really? It's like, yep, do it. And mm. then the Float Guru stuff really took took off. Yes. To help other people see that they are everything and there's nothing to worry about. And, you know, there's nothing for you to go and get in life because this is it right now. Yes. Yeah, so that's the whole journey. And that, that's the idea behind the Bodhisattvas. Yes. Is that they move away from Nirvana because yes. there's still work to be done here. Yes, 100%. That. How do you find... Uh, so you create, in, in that regard, you create your own purpose because you see that who you truly are can be used as a tool to provide a niche to people that are suffering in a specific way. Um, I don't look at it in that serious aspect at all. Okay. So there is no purpose. Cool. Um, yeah. Because you're a human, you play, it's like um, playing an instrument or playing a game. Yeah. And uh, that's all I do. So I see it's a grand illusion. And uh, so today I want to be the float guru. Uh, I like this guy. It's a nice character I want to play. Okay, let's play this. Mm. And tomorrow night I'm going to be cymatic. I'm going to go smash at a side trance party. I want to do that. And then tomorrow I'm like this son. Tomorrow I'm this Vijay friend guy. So everything is just like so light. Yes. You know, when I help people, then obviously it makes me feel good. Mm. Everything. See, why do you do everything you do? Well, it makes me feel good exactly yeah. and that's what it comes down to to the self it's not a selfish idea it's a fundamental thing that drives the universe so I look at it in a very light aspect like oh okay let's do this for a few years and then see what comes up and that's what I've evolved that into because if I use it as a purpose then um, yeah it becomes serious you know, Alan Watt talks, talk, talks about it is like don't make it serious but be sincere yeah and especially the work I'm doing, then I get, if I get attached to my client, I'm attached to my results though. I want to get results for my clients, but I don't take it seriously. Yes. For example, I'm like, yeah, I'll be there at 10, 15 ish. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they're like, yeah, I'll be there at 10, 30. Dude, I'm you like, were on fine. time today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What were you? Yeah. You were like spot on time today, <laughs> That's <man>. good. <laughs> so that's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was Stop like, taking it too seriously, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I should like. Check Should myself. Yeah, go for a float. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, per- there is no purpose. But that idea that I have, I have no purpose gives me the freedom to do whatever. Yes. And really make an impact. It's so true. Otherwise, it's too much pressure on me to find this thing. And just the act of you trying to find it is the one that's pushing it away. Yeah, that's so true. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm just dropping books here it's embarrassing but there's there's a <clears throat> excuse me a book i really like called mastery okay. by uh, george leonard and um he was trying to analyze all these incredible you know intellects sportsmen and women mm-hmm. philanthropists philosophers you know like what makes you tick what like how you can't just get out of bed every morning with motivation alone like what is it mm-hmm. and uh he looked at larry bird and larry bird was a uh, professional nba player mm-hmm. who was practicing non-stop two hours a day by the age of four Bill Gates, by the time he was 13, had clocked up 10,000 computer programming hours. Like, wow. just crazy, crazy. And he, he came to the realization that practice isn't something you do, it's something that you are. Yes. So who you are and what you're saying, what I'm taking from it, is that you can be anyone. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Exactly. And if you you can do whatever you want, you may as well do stuff that makes you happy. Yes. For sure. So tell us about some of the float tank um, software is probably not the right word, mm-hmm. but some of the stuff you're doing with float tanks specifically. Okay. 
Personally or for my clients? For, uh, for your clients. Okay, so... First, and then personally too. Okay, cool. Yeah, and don't be late. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the idea is using the tank as a tool, like I spoke about. So I've got this technique where I take them through a whole yogic process, right? And at the end of the session, I want them to have ticked a few boxes. So first would be, obviously, I have to set their lifestyle. And then body positions. What is the ideal way to float depending on your body? Mm. And um, depending on where is your pain? Most people, you know, it's like mind-body-spirit connection. If you have this kind of a thought process, then this part of your body is probably hurting. And we work backwards, and then um, there's a little bit of breath work, 27 to 1 breathing, because 27 is a yogic number. It's a multiple of 108. And I've realized it's not long enough for you to lose focus, and not too short as well. It gets you into that state. And then withdrawing your senses, so pratyahara. So I'm deriving all this from the eightfold path of yoga, and uh, once you slowly do that, you listen to the sounds and all that. And then what I do is I have a series of, say for example, you're not able to let go of your experience in the past. Then what I ask you to do in the tank is visualization is a really big one. So the first few sessions is just really honing visualization, learning how to actually do it, mm. not just seeing yourself, but living it. Yeah. And for that, you need to enter a different state of consciousness every day. Your diet has to change. Um, your practices have to change everything about you has to change so you can visualize clearly so the first few weeks we do that after that we start playing with this visualization right for example um, this seems to work where you put all the negative emotions into this massive ball and this ball keeps going bigger and bigger and you send it off in the universe Mm. right most people try it without having the skill to visualize if you really know how to visualize properly and uh, well if I can visualize something this clear then in quantum physics and in yoga, it says it's happened. Yeah. Well, obviously it's happening. Yeah. So once it's ready, then we start playing with like designing your perfect day. Have you ever imagined your perfect day? I actually do that every day. Amazing. Yeah. Most people don't. Yeah. And they wonder why their uh, life is in a shithole. Mm. Well, because you haven't thought about it. Yeah. Right. You're not using your thought. See, imagination gone negative is worry. So you've shifted into the positive. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. yeah. And you start building this life. So these are the kind of things we do. Where And then from that zone, we start tapping into your awareness. What is that you're aware of in the tank? And over time, you see that these skills start to develop into this monster where you can just take it and like use it anywhere in your life. Mm. Um, that's what I do with my clients. Mm. So I've got like a list of techniques that I've come up with and... Um, Some of them are derived from yoga, some of them from other ancient techniques, and some of them like modern techniques, you know. Um, But its main focus is just not to look at it just like one hour in the tank, but support your life based on that. Mm. That's the whole idea. Integrate the lessons. Integrate. That's exactly the word. Integrate, because that is the last part of the float tank that most people don't do. Yeah. They, They leave the experience in the tank. Yeah. Right? No, you take it with you. It's like a psychedelic experience. Yeah. You bring it back and then you run your life using it till you see me next week again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very true. Right? Yes, yes. You know, uh, one of the greatest teachings I ever received was meditating on MDMA. And um, it just taught me, it gave me this perspective of how much I really could love yes. other people and love myself. Yes. And I was obviously having the... Um, the downloads and the trips and things and I was just seeing like how much love I'm capable of and we're all capable mm-hmm. of you know if we're not in its polar opposite of fear or apathy depending on which way you look at yes. it but I, I really really try that was probably the best lesson you know I, I've taught been taught in the in the past five years and it yeah it's it's I think integration is almost more important than the the download itself exactly because it's like all right you know because i think most people like they know you don't have to go a float tanker trip and nah. whatever it's just like okay i probably shouldn't be eating the 50th cookie for the day yes it's like but how do you actually switch that and yes. not do it yes. like do you have some uh, practical advice for yes 100 percent. yeah so most of our life is just the story we've told ourselves you know um Say, for example, I'm the awareness and I was like, okay, um, I don't want to be the engineer guy anymore. Um, I want to be this float guru guy. So what would the float guru actually look like? What would he wear? What would he act like? I'm going to do those things, right? So when when it comes to the point for me to wake up and practice my yoga and meditation, 
what really determines that is the desire mm. how badly am i wanting that how much do i enjoy playing that role right mm. so first you have a desire so like you said you know um this i call it the seven steps to smash so these seven steps you need to work in your own way to change anything in your life so first is desire you have to desire to have a healthy body first if that desire is whatever you're going to eat that 40th cookie if you don't really have a desire you're going to eat the 50th one yeah that's what separates people once you have the desire as your well-being and you want to be the best version of yourself or the greatest version climb that mountain and defend it like hell for the rest of your life mm. the first is desire second is um knowledge to know that the cookie is bad for you yeah you know otherwise you would never know so if your desire is well-being and you're like uh, i don't know if this 50th i should eat it then the first question is like okay let me find out if it's good or bad to eat 50 right knowledge the yeah. right knowledge and then most people just stop there they have the desire and they have the knowledge third one is act then you act on <laughs> not eating that cookie yeah yeah <laughs> right till then nothing's going to change but then after that the next day you again back to 49 then what do you do consistency fourth one you have to consistently do that mm. that's how you change the re- the programming that's how you subconsciously become a new person by consistently doing it mm. and there's a trick to this so it's like a different when you zoom into consistency it's not just keeping it there it's consistently improving yeah it needs to go up yeah kaizen the japanese word for constantly improving mm. so that that's the fourth one and the fifth one is most people don't do this is non attachment You don't really care if you eat that or not. Then that's when you have the freedom to not eat it. Yes. <laughs> yes, very true. Yeah, otherwise you're too much under pressure. Yeah. And not eating it is like worse than eating it for you because there's a huge resistance within you. Mm. And the last one is like or the sixth one is um it's called leela. What is the attitude to do this work in? Would you like take it seriously and do it or would you play with it play with it yeah just play with it just be like oh, no, i don't want to eat this cookie it's fine yeah just play everything is play mm. and the seventh one is you hire me <laughs> <laughs> very true very true after all that yeah. <laughs> oh dude that is awesome yeah. <laughs> mate um i'm definitely definitely uh going to take you out for a coffee i'm definitely going to get you back on the show yeah. um where can people find you and um yeah bring us up to speed mm mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got a website theflowguru.net nice. and you can get in touch with me there and I'm partners with uh, Gravity and Beyond Rest so you might randomly find me I go to each float center I haven't been to Gravity for a long time I need to make a trip but I'm usually busy with clients and Beyond Rest mm. so you can find me there depending on what day it is but the easiest way I also got social media so okay. um I might be the float guru but I'm still doing the normal stuff <laughs> yeah taking selfies if you can yes 100% <laughs> yes and um yeah so you can find me there and um that's the easiest way to get in touch with me beautiful man yeah. thank you so much that no was problem. no that problem was awesome. i had an amazing time and your space is so good yeah so, but i have a few questions for you what exactly do you guys do here yeah well uh so i'm a counselor cool. and um i kind of work with um uh men specifically but um i mean it doesn't it just have to be men it's mm-hmm. just kind of who i market it to but my um other half Shivon she's a breathwork facilitator mm-hmm. so we come into this space and we take people through uh breathwork healing so a lot of the stuff that you know is stored in the body mm-hmm. when you make that connection with the body the implicit memories the you know the limiting beliefs that you know occurred from a fear inducing experience sure. come up through the breath and you know we we try to create an environment where people feel like they can actually go into those murky waters and mm-hmm. explore that aspect of the self the shadow mm-hmm. if you want to call it that and um yeah we just create an experience that is really fun people that you know want more out of life people that want to be better and um you know are taking on the humility to to do so so mm-hmm. it's starting and it's yeah it's really exciting also awesome. yeah we'll have to get you down for a session yeah i'd love to i'd love to come check it out yeah it's really good fun so Well, there's a lot of tears, a lot of laughs, a lot of screaming going on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've it's done cool. I've done a session in um actually the Psytrance festival. Oh yeah. And um yeah, everyone was going completely berserk. Yeah. And then the the faces were like glowing after that and they were just like so 
Yeah, it's like they're a new person. Totally, dude. You just you just let go of a whole lot of shit that's yeah, been holding. Yeah, 100%. On. You've been holding on to for year, decades for some. I was people. actually like, I was like, do, am I doing it wrong, or is there nothing coming out of? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's an, that's another really good point. It's like some sometimes people have an incredible experience. I'm like, did I do that right? I'm like, yes. Yeah. I killed it, man. Yeah. It's just like it doesn't matter what happens. Like in uh, Beyond Rest, expect nothing. Yes, expect you know? nothing. That's so good. You know, then there's no. Uh, desire there's no loss yes exactly guys thank you so much for listening yeah peace amazing all right mates sincerely hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast guys you can hit up vj at www.thefloatguru.net you can email him at vj at thefloatguru.net so v-i-j-a-y at thefloatguru.net he's on all the socials and he's a legend as well so if his story um and kind of his way to actualizing the self um, struck you or struck a chord, please feel free to reach out to him. Reach out to me if you want me to get you um, get you onto him. But all his social media is up there, so I don't know why you need me. I'm just going to be the middleman. <laughs> um, guys, I've got a whole... I've, I'm, I'm Actually, you know what? Today is the launch day. I've just launched an initiation program for uh, for all the young men out there. And um, I'm really excited about it. We have four pillars in the initiation program. So under the MindMate Counseling um, Business Framework, the initiation program is an eight-week program. And the four pillars are pain, narrative, uh, hero, uh, sorry, pain, myth. Jeez, I don't even know it. Pain, myth, hero, and the final one is which I have written down somewhere. And I will tell you now in about three seconds pain myth hero and finally dharma there it is guys i wasn't looking i wasn't checking my notes at all um so it's all about it's about similar things that we were speaking to on the podcast today it's all about going back into the self you know looking at yourself in the mirror if you are if this resonates with you looking at yourself in the mirror we have a very strict coherent adherence to commitment and honesty so looking at yourself in the mirror, recognizing that if you are in pain, you are in pain, coming to terms with why that pain manifested itself, extrapolating that into a story that you've been telling yourself because we live by the stories and the narratives that we tell ourselves that um, or, you know, that makes itself into a myth, into a, into a value system, and then we act out that value system. So if you you know, you feel like you're not enough, you will continue to see that you're not enough in the way the world manifests itself. So going into those stories, uh, actualizing new stories based on the heroes that we look up to and aspire to be, taking little bits and bobs that align with us, and then Dharma, which is the Buddhist, the Hindu word for meaningful work, realizing your potential and fulfilling that potential in a way that helps not only yourself, but other people. So this is the eight-week initiation program it's uh, it's really really exciting. I'm, I'm, it, the beta testing was awesome, and um, you know the, the fundamental reason why I've done mindmate counseling is because you know there was a time in my life when I wasn't pumped to get out of bed. You know, and we we all go through this thing, but I, I'm always trying to market it back to someone that was kind of in that state. So you know, a young dude. It's a you know I hope I hope that it's affordable for a young dude. I hope that it resonates with a young fella, and you know constantly trying to hit that area where if someone was just able to look me in the eye and give me some sound real advice, not like hey just be happy all the time, pal. You know, hopefully it would have really helped. So that's what I'm really trying to get at here. So if any of that resonates with you guys, please hit me up. On any socials, you totally can. If you want to email me, that's um, that's your thing. You can do that too. Mindmatecounseling at gmail.com. I'll speak to you then. Uh, other than that, I love you all, and I will speak to you next week.